Blog Talk Radio. Funky Writers Show is now in the air, spotlighted on BadRedHeadMedia.com as a top author podcast on the web today and called a total blast of a show for writers. My name is Robert Batista, and you may ask, why is the Funky Writers Show so terrific? Because I'm a writer, just like my guests, and know that words are the breath of life. Connect with the show on the exciting Twitter page by going to at the Funky Writer. This day is clearly a milestone in the journey of the Funky Writer Show in being that this is our 200th show. Little did I know when I began in the fall of 2008 that this dynamic outlet and forum for authors, book marketers, and publishers, both new and established, will become the seminal icon that it is today. I am so blessed to be its creator and host. Now on to the next 200. Even though our worlds are falling apart and are far from perfect, we walk with our heads held high, looking people in the eye, convincing them that we have everything under control. But inside we are like a volcano waiting to explode. A little prod on the right spot is all it takes for us to erupt. When this happens, those around us are puzzled why a woman or man could snap and lose it like that. Well, I reckon it's because human beings don't allow themselves to be vulnerable. These are the thought-provoking words of today's special guest, Bertha Mokazani. Welcome to the Funky Writer Show, Bertha Mokazani. Thank you so much, Rob. It's, it's an honor to be on your show. I feel blessed and privileged. Thank you, thank you. And it's so special that you are on our 200th show. So that itself Yay. is a milestone. So, Bertha, let's start with asking a very basic question. Is Bertha Mokazani. Well, put it put simply, uh, Bertha hello? is a woman who. Hello, can you hear me? Hello. Hello? 
Hello, can you hear me now? Hello? Hello? Hello, Rob, can you hear me? Hello? Hello, Bertha. Oh, can you hear me now? Yes, yes, I'm sorry. We had a little oh, technical so glitch. Oh, sorry so about so that. I don't know what happened. We got cut off for a minute there. Yeah, anyway. That, yes, um, so let's, let's yeah. continue. Who is Bertha Mokodzani? Yes, um, Bertha is just a woman who grew up in a small, rather quaint town of Chinoy in Zimbabwe. Um, she's also a mom. She's a professional woman. She's an author, a volunteer, a friend, and a follower of Christ. So, Bertha, let's talk about why you decided to become a writer. At what time and point in your life did the light bulb go on in your head? Um, I think um, I've always wanted to write um, from when I was a young girl, um, right from primary school, but uh, the push, the actual push came sometime after the passing of my husband. Um, A few years after he died, I went through some challenges in my life. I struggled to come to terms with his passing because I was a, a very young woman. I got married when I was young. Uh, in my late teens, actually. So for a while I was angry, I was confused, I was blaming everybody for my pain. I didn't understand. Um, So one day I was just talking to my daughter um, about this experience, and then she turned around and she said, Mom, if, you know, you're carrying all this baggage around, why can't you just, write about it, because I see you write all the time. Uh, by then, I would started doing a little bit of blogging, um, so she saw my enthusiasm in, in writing. So, And I, after I put her to bed, I thought about her words, and I, I thought to myself, yeah, I could write a book about this. So... That very evening, I sat down and I began to write the book Alive Steed. So that's when it really hit me that I wanted to do this. And I just started to write and I, I, I never stopped. Okay, and that's very interesting. So you're saying that you jumped right in? that you didn't take any exploratory writing courses or creative writing? You just just zoomed right into to writing. Is that true? No course whatsoever. No course whatsoever. <laughs> I just jumped right in. You know, I, I just learned, of course, um, there's, there is this um, um, school of thought or there's this um, – way of thinking, which says you cannot teach somebody to write. Uh, I, believe, I believe in that. As much as, of course, there are technical issues, 
uh, that you need to fine-tune along the way as a writer. Uh, of course, you need to learn the tricks of the trade and you know how to, to maneuver your way around the world of writing. But I believe um, the actual writer is deep within you. And you just need something to spark that in you or to make you realize that actually there is a writer in me. So in my case, I, I, I suppose that's what happened. So let's talk about this first writing experience of yours, your first book called A Life Steered. Um, it seems yes. very intriguing, Bertha. Tell us about its genesis and storyline. <clears throat> Excuse me, I, I'm recovering from a cold, so my voice sounds, may sound a bit funny. Well, uh, basically, um, it's a semi-autobiography. Um, it's written in third person, but it's, it draws heavily from my life experiences, as I've stated. Um, I wanted to distance myself a little bit uh, because I felt more comfortable that way. So it um, it talks about, uh, it chronicles the life of Sandra, who is the main character, um, right from when she was young, um, living in her father's home, um, who was um, a bit of an alcoholic, um, right through to the time when she went to to secondary school um, when she experienced her first heartbreak. And after that, then she meets the husband whom she marries, the one who passes away later on um, in the most devastating circumstances. And then after that, uh, her family... Uh, from her mother-in-law's side, they turn against her, and she, the sequence of events is such that she's left confused, heartbroken, and she doesn't understand why they're doing this to her. And then, in the end, she's got no choice but to go back to her father's home. And then she struggles to raise a young child, at one point, she she doesn't know where the next meal is coming from or where she's going to get soap to, to, to wash her daughter's clothes from, that kind of thing. And then later on, you know, enters her friend who offers a hand. Um, and I think that's where the story ends. It ends... Um, in such a way that one uh, is made to believe, or I would like to think that I'm going to write a sequel at some point, but not now. Yes, yes. The story, Bertha, seems extremely intense. So, Bertha, being that a life steered is semi-autobiographical and somewhat based on your life, um, how did it feel when you put pen to paper and had to relive some of those experiences that happened back in those times? Did it open up any old wounds? And if it did, how did you deal with it? Without a doubt, um, it was 
There were some parts that were so painful, I had tears running down my cheeks as I wrote the pages. Uh, I was crying, literally crying, but I, I just kept trudging on with the book because I felt it was something I had to do for myself, but when it was all done, I felt relieved. It was such a cathartic experience. I felt so light, and during the process as well, um, as much as it was painful to write, um, I was able to find forgiveness. I was able to reflect and perhaps um, answer some of the questions that I had on my mind. And um, and I found myself, if you like, as well during the process. I discovered what kind of a person I am. Um, as you read the book, you will find that it is an emotionally driven book. It's emotional throughout. And I have since realized that I am a very emotional person. And those who are very close to me will tell you this. And if you read most of my writings, you will discover that they are emotionally driven. I And I tend to write from the heart. If I don't feel it here inside my heart, um, it won't work. I have to feel it. It has to speak to me first in order for me to write. Bertha, I love the book's title and captivating cover. Can you talk about where they came and how they came about? Okay. Um, When I started to write this book, I didn't know what the title was going to be. I did not have a clue. And during the process, I came up with all sorts of of titles. And for some reason... They just did not do it for me. So when I had finished writing it, um, that's when it hit me. Um, I said, okay, this book is going to be called A Life Theater. Because um, when I was growing up um, as a young girl, I had my life all mapped out. I knew what I was going to become. I was going to go to university. I was going to study to become uh, some doctor. I was going to get married. I was going to live happily ever after. That, that, is, that was my life. That's what I had planned for my life. Uh, but yes. it didn't go that way, um, obviously. That's why we are talking about a life state now. So a life state, I feel that my life has been steered um, in a different direction from the one I had envisioned uh, growing up as a, as a young girl, you know, because we all have hopes and dreams for our lives. Uh, we all have things that we aspire to. Uh, sometimes it doesn't always go according to plan. And um, I believe that everything happens for a reason. Uh, perhaps it's something that we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better or not, but whatever it is, um, I, 
I would like to think that my life has been steered towards a different direction for a reason, or I wouldn't be talking to you now. And the cover as well, um, I struggled to come up with the cover. Um, I came up with all sorts of covers. Um, I will just say one thing. Um, I wrote this book. There is one person who helped me with this book, and that was my brother. And we sort of bounced ideas off each other. Uh, regarding the cover and the title and everything, I would write something and send it over to him and ask for his opinion. So in the end, we just settled on this cover. I mean, if you look at it and the title, I think it, it just <laughs> speaks for itself, um, I think. Um, of course, one may interpret it any way they like, but to me, when I look at it, it's speaks to me. Bertha, if life always went according to plan, there would be no great books. <laughs> uh, I think many <laughs> well, of the great see, books came my out point of exactly. not going to plan. Exactly. So, Bertha, yes. you have graciously agreed to read for us. Can you set up the piece before you read it? Yes. Um, I have my book right in front of me. Um, I've chosen to read from a piece from Chapter 13. Um, this was a conversation between Sandra and her friend, um, her neighbor. Uh, she was pregnant at the time, so she was talking about her mother-in-law. Um, so would you like me to start now? Sure. Yes. Um, so I'll start from the middle. I won't start from the top of the chapter. So there it goes. Um, Sandra's forehead creased into a frown as she carried on. I just want to deliver this baby and be done with it. The sooner the better. I want to get away from her. What has she done now? asked Spiwe. I can't seem to do anything right in her eyes. The vegetables I cook are either underdone or overcooked. Whenever I sweep the house, she goes over the floors again. She makes me want to strangle her. Do not worry, Sandra. It could be worse. At least you'll be going back to your husband once you have given birth. Look at me. I have to live with my mother-in-law day in, day out. And do you think it is easy? Oh, I don't think I could ever do that. Is it true what I heard about your mother-in-law beating you up at one point? Sandra asked. Who told you? Never mind who told me. Is it true? Yes, it is, but I was young then, and I'd rather not talk about it. I cannot believe you put up with that. My mother-in-law would not go that far with me, or I will show her my true colors. What will you do then? She's like your mother, isn't she? No way, Spiwe. My mother-in-law can shout all she wants, but she wouldn't dare lay a finger on me. Well, you modern girls behave differently, I guess. You talk about your rights and that. Some of us, we just get on with things. We even respect their dogs. Now that is ridiculous. Ouch! 
Sandra cried as she put her arm on her belly. What is it, Sandra? Are you okay? Spiwi was worried. Yes, I'm fine. I've just been kicked, that's all. Here, feel this. I cannot stand it any longer. Look at my ankles. An elephant is better. Nonsense. You look fine. Don't you know that all pregnant women are beautiful? They glow. Glow had been the word Sandra's husband had used a thousand times. She had thought it sweet the way he made all the effort to reassure her. You sound just like my husband. Your husband is a clever man, Spiwa said. The two women burst out laughing. The sudden roar of laughter sent two pigeons flying off the rooftop. I'll end. Do you want me to carry on? <laughs> uh, that's fine. And uh, wow, I got a great, great gist of what the story is about. <laughs> they respect even yes. the dogs. <laughs> I, oh, I, I yes, like we, we respect so. the dogs in <laughs> Africa. If you're, if you're married, if you enter... Uh, at home, sometimes, you know, if you're new, um, if you're just recently married, you have to abide by the laws of the house, of the household. Sometimes you, it means respecting their dogs, their cats, you know. You say, excuse me, dog, can I pass? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, that is so good. So, so, Bertha, one Amazon five-star review of this book by Eddie Hewitt states in part, there are many intriguing and interlinking themes in the story. Becoming a woman, education, family struggles, lack of male support, financial troubles, finding and losing Mm -hmm. love, resilience, and exceeding the expectations of others. As the story develops, the concept of a divine will is developed. If there is one defining message for me, it is the awareness that we cannot rely on earthly relationships. Other people will invariably let us down, sometimes, though, through no fault or will of their own. So we have to be strong within ourselves. Wow. How true is that? Absolutely. Seems like he got your message. Wouldn't you say, Bertha? I said absolutely. And that one word comes to mind, I mean, resilience, if for me, um, if you ask me to describe myself uh, using one word, for me, it's resilience. Resilient. Yes. So let's talk about Bertha Mokodzani, the person. Let's start with your early life growing up in Zimbabwe. How was that? <laughs> yes. Well, um, this is how I'm going to respond to that question. Um, growing up in Zimbabwe, for me, um, was being able to play, not with the gadgets that we have these days, mobile phones and that, but being able to go outside, play with sand, ropes, homemade dolls, walking barefoot with no one giving you the stairs, you know, making out like you're crazy or something, Uh, just (laughs) being able to climb up a tree for no apparent reason, you know, sitting outside around the fireplace, um, you know, gazing at the stars. And um, for me, growing up in Zimbabwe was 
being able to rely on my aunts um, for advice or on on growing up, you know, puberty. And for me as well, it was growing up in Zimbabwe is being able to just go into the forest, carrying no food, and knowing that that forest somehow would provide you with its own food, tending to cows and goats and working the fields, you know, that kind of thing. That's, that's how life was in Africa. And playing loud music without being scared that you're going to get a knock on your door, somebody complaining that the music is too loud. You know, you know what I mean? Just being able to laugh at the top, you know, burst out laughing, that kind of thing. That that's how life was from. That's how I remember it. It sounds like it was a beautiful life. So, what were some of the books and writings and authors that inspired you when you were in your youth? Well, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I remember when I was growing up. Um, there was a lot of uh, English books that I read, actually, because uh, right now at the top of my head, I remember um, I did literature in, e- in English and English literature. So I remember doing English literature, reading books like Macbeth, you know, those difficult books. And right. uh, literature in English, I read uh, books such as Lord of the Flies. Um, I remember, um, oh, right now I, I, my mind has gone blank, but I remember reading quite a lot. I, I was a very uh, voracious reader, uh, and I read a lot of Mills and Boons. I'm, a, I'm ashamed to say, but that's, that's life. <laughs> So I have a question for you. Bertha, what challenges have you faced as a black African writer, and how have you handled them? Yeah, this is um, a subject that uh, is is very – I'm very passionate about this subject right now because – Right now, these are the things that I'm being faced with, uh, being a black writer uh, here. And I, I'm, <laughs> I may go on a bit of a rant, if you, if you can excuse me, but I, I find that as a black writer, um, the challenges that I'm facing or that I've faced are those that are faced by any other black writers out there. Um, there are like a couple of things that I that come to mind, for example, um, there are these expectations of the publishing industry. Um, As a black writer, you'll find that there are times when we are cajoled into using a a certain kind of narrative um, because perhaps you want to pander to the society in which you live. Uh, Because sometimes when I'm writing, because at the moment I'm working on this book, and as I write, I find myself asking uh, certain questions. For example, I ask, will this book appeal to a certain kind of reader? 
it's like I'm writing to fit in, you know, because, and the problem with that is you, there's a danger of you losing yourself uh, and your voice in the process because you're trying to fit, to fit in. Um, because being an African, my writings, whether I like it or not, are going to be informed by my experiences, by my culture. I cannot run away from that. Um, and a follow-up um, to the point of the expectations of the publishing industry is that um, as a black writer, you will find that there are times uh, if you tell somebody that, oh, I'm writing a book, immediately you are pigeonholed you know, into a, uh, um, they, they expect you, um, you're almost expected um, to say um, something like, oh, I'm writing a book about culture or social injustice, you know, that kind of thing. But, and then you say, no, actually, I'm, I'm writing a romance novel or a sci-fi book. I mean, why can't I write a sci-fi book as a black author? Right. You know, does it mean right. that black authors lack imagination? You know, it's like we're, we're expected to, to use a certain kind of narrative as black authors. So it's like there are limitations, if you like, placed on us. And also I, the other challenge is that there's lack of recognition um, for black authors, in, in, um, I'm sorry to say, in the publishing industry. We are not well represented, and our voices uh, are often not recognized, as I say, in the mainstream publishing industry. And I know things are changing now with options like self-publishing, that kind of thing. But to be honest, it is every author's dream to see their book on that bookshelf. You know, I, I want to walk by the Waterstones and see my book displayed at the window and to say, oh, that, that's my book. I wrote that. But right. for some reason, the publishing industry is not reflecting the societal dynamics that we have. We are a diverse society, and my story shouldn't be sidelined because I choose to reflect my culture or my historical background. You know what I mean? Because um, I, I, you know, because that way, if, if I'm allowed to be myself as a black writer, then what are, that, that's, that's how we may come to understand one another, perhaps, because if uh, an English person picks up my book and reads it and gets an insight into what my world is like, then they understand me better, and it makes you know our coexistence that much uh, better as well. Because you, be, because there are certain myths, you know, that as an author I can dispel through my writings. Because as a writer, I don't just write for entertainment. I write to educate, to dispel some mates. Um, you know, so if our books are not well represented out there, how is the message going to get across? I'm sorry I'm ranting, but, you know, I'm very No, no, you un this. I understand. I understand, yes, and yes. it's a valid point. It's a valid question. Uh, and let me turn that question around to you, Bertha, and, okay, what's the solution? 
Well, well, the solution, um, well, because right now there are groups out there, and I've attended some festivals where black authors have turned around and said, right, you know, if they won't include us or if they won't recognize us, then we're going to create our own publishing houses. We're going right. to create our own writers' festivals. We're going, right. you know, we're going to allow our own writers to shine on their own terms, you know, that kind of thing. So um, it is happening because last year I attended uh, a, the very first in the UK, the Bear List, Fe- Bear, Bear List Festival, and it was brilliant where writers of color, the, it also included the Asian, you know, people from the Asian background, um, they also faced the same kind of problem as black authors. So we came together, we discussed these stumbling blocks in the publishing industry, and we, you know, people were sort of discussing um, a way forward. Um, but I'm happy to say, having said that, I'm happy to say that I've also seen um, some initiatives going on right now because um, Penguin Random House they've introduced this scheme called Right Now, whereby they're um, inviting uh, authors from the minority groups to, <coughs> excuse me, to submit their work, and um, they've also offered to mentor them. Uh, to take them through the process of writing until uh, you know until they are published, and there's also another one called Newham New Deal Partnership, um, which was launched by um, oh, what's the word our um, Massey Program, something like that. It's also aimed at Black and Asian minority you know groups for you know for those uh, writers to try and help them out to get their voices heard, to get their books out there. So something is being done, and people have recognized that this is a problem in our society that needs exactly. to be dealt with. And I exactly. think it has come about because we are speaking up as black writers. We have studied And that's what has to, to be done, as you said. It right, that's what done, has yeah. to be done. That is definitely a solution. So before we run out of time, Bertha, let's talk about your new upcoming novel, A Family Portrait. Where does this story take us? Excuse me. Um, This story takes place uh, partly um, in Zimbabwe and then um, in the U.K., mainly in the U.K., Um, it centers around a nurse, and I'll be quick to say it's not a book about me, okay? Uh, because, I mean, as a writer, as much as I, I create stuff, but I, most of my creations are also informed by my experiences. I cannot run away from that. So it centers around um, this nurse whose life is in deep turmoil, um, Around her patients, she hides her pain behind a dutiful smile and positive energy. But deep down, you know, there lies some haunting truth 
which stem from her childhood and so on. So that's what I'm working on. It's a romance novel, actually. All right. All right. Sounds like it's going to be a great story. Can't wait for it to come out. So um, what's next for Bertha Mokodzani? I know you have this new book, but what else do you have coming up in the fire? Well, (laughs) what's next? Well, of course, the big thing is this book. You know, I I need to try and get it out there. Um, and I've got um, a few conferences lined up uh, because I'm an enthusiast of uh, writers' conferences. I Every year I try and attend one major conference because from that I, I learn new things each time. I get a few pointers. So I've got that lined up coming next. Um, and yeah, um and just, you know, carrying on being a mom and doing my job and and so on really. But the main thing <laughs> is just to get is just to get my book out there and it's a process right. as you know. We've been talking yes. about the challenges and so on, yeah. Yes, and as you said before, resilience, and that is exactly what we are. So, Bertha, can you give out any contact information, your websites, or any email, how people can follow you? Um, Give out any information you'd like. Yes. um, So I'm on all social, well, not all, most social media um, channels. I am on Twitter. Um, if you type in Bertha Mukodzani, if you just Google me, everything will come up. I'm on Facebook. My Facebook page is called Bertha Mukodzani as well. Everything is just Bertha Mukodzani. So if you Google me, um, everything will, co- will come up. My website is www.berthamukodzani.com. And my book, A Life Steered, um, is found on Amazon and uh, Barnes, and, Barnes and Noble um, for the UK, um, for the USA, um, the residents, and all other online um, shops is, is there. So all you have to do is just Google my name and take it from there. And from my um, website, you also be able to access all my other writings, my newspaper articles, my blogs. Um, and I've also started um, a YouTube channel. Oh, that's one thing I forgot to mention, Rob, that I, I intend to, do, uh, to carry on with my YouTube channel, um, putting out some um, motivational videos. I've kind of started it, but I'm, I'm waiting um, on a couple of things. Um, um, yeah, so I'll be carrying on with that. So just... Watch this space. That's great. That is so great. And let me add that Mokodzani is spelled M-U-K-O-D-Z-A-N-I. That's correct, so, yes. This has been the Funky Writers Show, the 200th show with me, Robert Batista. I am at at author R. Batista on Twitter. 
Look for my free short stories, Carmela's Dream and My Baby Has No Name, on Smashwords.com. My guest has been a woman who's seen and written about the inner strength it takes to face the minefields of life, Bertha Mokozani. You can go to her fantastic website, BerthaMokozani.com, and feast your soul. Thank you so much, Bertha, for being a guest on the Funky Writers Show. Thank you, Rope, for having me. It's been wonderful. Have a nice evening. Bye now. And you. Bye-bye.